and unfortunately for the realities of our restaurant, and I don't know if the other two guys share the same, is that like I, I, I can get as excited as I want about any ingredient that's coming from the farm. The reality is our guests want the same four pizzas. It's like something with pepperoni, something with sausage. They want the cheese pizza, and that's never going to change. But that is, you know, we've written the menu so that, that those bread and butter pizzas can uh, really be the most profitable uh, drivers of our menu and and allow us the opportunity to do other things in our menu. Behind every amazing flavor is an amazing human who has perfected their craft. Welcome to Flavors Unknown, a series of inspirational conversations with renowned culinary leaders. Discover how their cultural identity shapes their creative process with your host, Emmanuel. Welcome back to another episode of the Flavors Unknown podcast. I am your host, Emmanuel Roche. I have been in the food industry for more than 20 years, both in Europe and in the U.S., and every other week, I have genuine conversations with acclaimed chefs, pastry chefs, and mixologists from around the country. And today, we are taking a detour, a delicious one though, into the world loved by many but mastered by few, the world of pizza. For the first time in Flavors Unknown, we are dedicating an entire episode to this culinary cornerstone. Joining me are three Rising Stars Award winners from Star Chefs. Dimitri Michaelis from Marta Deer in Washington, D.C. Derek Tung of Polygy's Logan Square in Chicago. And Robert Andreossi from Pizza Marvin in Providence, Rhode Island. They are here to knee through their stories from first memories of pizza to the triumphs and challenges of running a pizzeria. So sit back, imagine the aroma of a freshly baked pizza, and let's savour this special episode together. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the podcast Flavors Unknown. I'm really excited to have um, a panel today and a discussion uh, around pizza. So I have for the guests that are here... Already, your first question is, you know, could you describe your first memory of pizza that you have and, and or what pizza means to you personally? So who wants to jump first? I can go ahead if you guys are okay with that. Sure. You know, my, one of my first memories of pizza was really a celebration of the family. So I think it was my aunt coming to Chicago and we went to the local pizzeria and I was maybe maybe three at the time. So I remember, I don't remember the pizza as much, but I remember playing Ms. Pac-Man on the arcade. My aunt like holding me up so that I could actually reach the arcade console. And then at some point, you know, they called and they said the pizza was ready. So the family came in and it was, it was a, like a tavern style thin crust. And it was just this rolled crust that was delicious. And it was just a fun memory. It's a good, good family style memory for pizza. Okay. Pizza and uh, gaming. Okay. What about you? Uh Robert, for me, I mean, pizza in Rhode Island is is a strange concept. We'd have like grilled pizza, very famous from Al Forno, Joanne and George Colleen. But and so, so I grew up 
with that around always my father grilling a lot of pizzas but also like for every special event that we would do we have the rhode island bakery pizza which is just like a sauce a a, a large sheet pan of sauce pizza Mm -hmm. with some grated parm and it's just like i think the thing that everyone would bring to to everyone's parties and graduations and stuff like that so it was always around dimitri i feel like you know I've eaten a lot of pizza as a kid and it's very nostalgic for me. I don't think my like pizza epiphany happened till like my early twenties when I was in New York city, going to culinary school. And I remember after work, I'd always go to artichoke pizza and have this amazing slice. And I was just like, Holy crap. Like this is so good. And yeah, I'm just, I mean, I grew up a pizza lover and then, as I got older and more into food, I, I just really started to appreciate it okay. and started to dive a little bit further. Okay. So, and, and can you share like the story of how your pizzeria, you know, came to life and now you decided that it's going to be, you know, something that you are going to do, you know, as a business. So how, how did it start? Uh, yeah. So it was always a dream to open up my own restaurant and throughout the years, it's kind of evolved from some kind of maybe like a a bigger, finer place. And it kind of, throughout the years, I've realized I wanted something kind of small, a little more casual, but still show my creativity and my passion. And it was interesting story. I I found this little hidden of a gem space in Mount Pleasant while I was sous chefing at LE restaurant up the street. And uh, I took a tour of the space and it was (laughs) in pretty bad shape, but I just, I saw this, I had this vision of, of what it could could look like and it what what it could be and I got very excited and the the most challenging part was to convince my my partner now wife Tara Smith mm-hmm. uh to 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 open something and you know pizza pizza came to mind and we started formatting the the idea and the plans and just okay kind of did it and so how is how is the business doing now uh, you know we're incredibly fortunate pizza is always in fashion and business is good with, you know, all the normal, mm-hmm, flu- mm-hmm. you know, fluctuations based on the season and economy and wh- whatever. You know, we've been very, very lucky and fortunate that business is good. And we have a very loyal fan base and, and great customers. And it helps, you know, helps us keep pushing to, to get better every day. So, yeah, business is good. Can you tell us a little bit the like the story behind the name Martha Deer? Yes. Martha is my mother. And as my wife, Tara, says, she's the sweetest. So when looking into naming our first restaurant, I wanted to pay homage to my mother. And, you know, given how lovely she is, adding deer at the end kind of, it was a perfect fit. Derek, can you uh, talk to us a little bit about, you know, the sharing the story of, you know, how your pizzeria came to life? Absolutely. You know, the, the idea for Pizza First came to me when my wife and I were moving her out of her corporate job into her own business. So that night we were so tired, we didn't want to make dinner at home. So we went to a local pizzeria nearby that we had never been to, and it was a Neapolitan style pizzeria. And we sat at the counter. We were the only two there. It was probably about 9 p.m. And in that time, once we ordered the pizza, within four minutes, you know, we saw him pull this dough out, stretch this perfectly beautiful dough slide it into the oven, topped, and then come back out in 90 seconds. We were able to eat and talk to the, the pizzaiolo and 
enjoy this beautifully handcrafted, gorgeous pizza. And that's when I fell in love with the idea of making pizza. You know, I had a lot of pizza before, but that was the first time that I saw the process from stretch to top to fire. And it made me realize I, I just have to learn how to make me a the pizza. And the more that I started learning, the more I thought, why doesn't this exist in Chicago, right? I, I work in a corporate office where we only have 45 minutes, maybe an hour for lunch. This would be a great, fast, quick food mm-hmm. option. And so what I wanted to do was learn how to really make great pizza to start there and then learn the operations after. So we built a wood-fired oven on the back of a trailer, me and two of my partners from high school. And then we started going to farmer's markets for, uh, for a year. We did farmer's markets, private events, things like that, while we did our day jobs. And then after that year was up, I was wanting to slowly start transitioning into a brick and mortar over the next three or four years. But during that time, I met Polly G, who eventually convinced me to take a chance on opening up a franchise mm-hmm. with him. So I tried his pizza. I liked it a lot. It was very different than ours. But, you know, we decided to sign on and partner up for that. And then in the next two years, it took to open the restaurant. You know, I kind of explored the U.S., explored Italy, learned as much as I could about pizza, fell in love with another style, the choice style Mm -hmm. pizza. And so that's why we offer two styles at the the Logan Square restaurant right now. We do the choice style as well as the wood-fired Neapolitan inspired. Very good. Thank you. So, uh, Robert, what's what's the story behind the name Marvin? Uh, Marvin is a uh, combination of uh, my grandfather's name, Marco, and my business partner's grandfather, Melvin. Coming up with a name was just about the worst process about, you know, opening opening our restaurant. That was the one thing that, like, kept us up at night. It was horrendous, honestly. It was doing the build out was way easier than coming up with a name. I gotta be honest. So it was a name that we came up with early on and we just kind of, we, we weren't in love with it. And then we kind of just committed ourselves to it. And I'm, I'm happy we did because it's, you know, it's, it, we were encouraged, you know, that basically the name, you know, will, will become what you put out into the universe mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. social media. And, and that's, and we, that was definitely okay. true. So, yeah, and I, and I like as well the logo where, in fact, you have the pizza slice and you have like the name, you know, that is spread out on this pizza slice, like you know, like toppings, you know, on the on the on the sauce of the pizza. It's pretty fun. Yeah, our graphic designer did a wonderful job trying to incorporate as many mm-hmm. triangles, <laughs> yes, and pizza elements as we could without making it uh-huh. so obvious. There's a little bit of nuance there that we Very really good. appreciated. <laughs> And so why pizza for you guys, like having this business and not something else? So what made you, you know, open like a pizzeria? For me, I mean, my background had been working in fine dining restaurants and I had wanted to open up uh, a fine dining restaurant of my own. I still do, I think. And then, you know, during the middle of pandemic, this business became available to us and we we jumped at the opportunity to get it for really cent, you know pennies on the dollar and i had i had run a pizzeria before but i'm not really like uh, i'm not a pizza guy like i don't i don't look at the humidity it's it's 20, 20 degrees more humid like let's change the hydration today that, that that's not me it's never going to be me but i'm excited about the opportunity that our business right now can provide for the, you know, we've grown, we started with five people, 
in the middle of the pandemic and including myself and my business partner. And now we're to, to 16 and I'm excited for the, the foundation that that can provide as we achieve our goals into growing what is going to be, I hope, mm-hmm. a much larger group in this, you know, if, if this can be stable and this can be scaled, it's easy to take risks and other oppor- other opportunities, which is what our plan is. Okay. And and the last time I, you know, I came to your location, in fact, you were at one moment kind of a little training with, you know, a part of the team that you have there about the dough. So we know that there's, you know, you said that you're not looking at the level of humidity and, you know, playing with the different ingredients, but we know that the secret to exceptional pizza often lies in, you know, simple ingredients. So do you have any, you know, like a signature touch there or anything that you were telling them, you know, in fact, and teaching them the, the day I was there? Yeah, I mean, it, look, I think it's, I'm always, training is, is something that we're constantly doing. I mean, we're constantly trying to improve, of course. I think, you know, I'm lucky that we have a a high level of retention. There's not a large amount of new people coming and going mm-hmm. to the restaurant. But sometimes I think one of the things that we always, you know, sort of repeat is that like every day, if you're 1% different after, after 30 days, you're 30% off. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you know, I think on the day that you came in, we were having some more of a, a pizza summit. Uh, so we all get on the same page and, and make sure that we all understand, you know, kind of what the standard is and, and what we should be after. I mean, you know, those those moments are always necessary for sure. And uh, yeah, of course, I take pride in the product that we do. Mm-hmm. We 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 source we source some of our flour. Our flour comes from basically two mills in New England, one in Vermont that's that's you know very large, and then one that is is growing in Maine grains. And you know, when I look at those mill dates, you know, the mill dates aren't aren't ever more than two two weeks old. I'm very proud of the product that we're bringing in. I, I, you know, we we're buying as much local produce as the, as we can. I, I always have some sort of local pizza, lo- local ingredient on, on some pizzas, like on a seasonal pizza item. They, uh, and unfortunately for the realities of our restaurant, and I don't know if the other two guys share the same, is that like, I, I, I can get as excited as I want about any ingredient that's coming from the farm. The, the reality is our guests want the same four pizzas. It's like something with pepperoni, something with sausage. They want the cheese pizza and that's never going to change. But that is, you know, we've written the menu so that, that those bread and butter pizzas mm-hmm. can really be the most profitable drivers of our menu and, and allow us the opportunity to do other things in our menu. Okay. This is Derek. Um, I, I totally agree. I, you know, it's, especially for new guests that just find you like they just want the cheese pizza. They just want the pepperoni because they just want the classic thing. I think it's with the repeat guests, right? The ones that come back to you over and over again, at some point they start trusting you as a chef, trusting your staff to make recommendations. And then they start trying specials. So then it's, you know, it's a challenge, but you're also right. The specials aren't nearly as profitable. If, if all we did was sell cheese pizzas, we would all be maybe millionaires in a couple of years. Like that'd be great. It's not like, you know, you can, you can't upcharge pepperoni, like the way you can upcharge a cheese pizza, the the public just wouldn't accept it in terms of those ratios. So Mm -hmm. I I feel you completely. Are you guys using, you know, some of the specials and so on just to attract new, you know, in people, uh, especially through social media 
you know, with like the maybe a new item on the menu or something which is, you know, seasonal versus like the, the traditional one? Is it the, the, the way of approaching this, Robert, for instance, as you were talking about, you know, social media being important? Yeah, social media has been in a great my business partner, Jesse, has been a vital component to our business in how he presents our information. I would say that like it's there's a direct correlation to the days that he's posting and the day that, days that he's highlighting things to to our our sales numbers, hmm. top line sales numbers for sure. you know we're we're constantly trying to do you know collaborations and events is the best way that we can. and yeah, for sure, social media has a huge impact on the attendance of those things and certainly like if we're dropping a new ice cream flavor for instance you notice that like the first round of of ice cream goes very quick for sure okay so dimitri talking back about like the secret of pizza is is the secret really in the water and the quality of the water that you use in the pizza dough yeah i don't really think water has much to do with it i mean it it helps to have good water. I think New York probably has the best water that I, you know, know of, but for us, it's our, our Levan, our starter. We specialize in sourdough pizza and we've done a really good job with keeping our, our starter, which is now about seven years old, keeping it healthy, feeding it on a very tight schedule and just having a very consistent, very flavorful Levan. That's, that's my, I feel is our secret. Okay. So what's your best-selling pizza on the menu as well for you? It's pepperoni cheese? Uh, for us, the classic cheese, aka the, the margarita, is going to be the most popular. Because, uh, you know, people also like to kind of uh, modify as well. But I say for our specialty pies, our, our, our halloumi pizza, which I change with the seasons, but it's usually with mushroom, spinach, and, and halloumi. Right now that it's colder outside, I, I've been putting squash instead of mushroom, but it's, it's quite delicious and people, people really love it. Derek. So now you're talking, you guys talked about like the importance of having those, you know, key pizza on the menu because they drive the business, but as well to have some seasonal one or, you know, a special ones and so on. So when you are thinking about innovating on the menu and, and creating a, like a new pizza, how, how do you approach this? You know, what are like the key ingredients or the key elements you need to have and, and if you can give like an example of maybe a memorable one that you have introduced or or maybe one that illustrates the most your I would say your your creative process. Absolutely. You know, the the inspiration comes from a lot of places. And I think when you're trying to be creative, you have to take inspiration where you can get it. So one of the nice things about working with my team is I, I'm able to give them a lot of creative control. We uh, first the first five years of the business, we did three new pizzas every single month. There'd be two new Detroits. One of them vegetarian, one of them omnivorous, so one has meat on it, and then one new wood-fired. And so at some point, you know, if you're the only one responsible, you're creative, you should start running out. So, you know, some staff members started picking up the slack, coming up with new pizzas. And after five years, we decided this is, they were just feeling too much pressure that could constantly innovate. So we hit a point where we said, you know what, let's just change every quarter. And then the inspiration just comes from a variety of things. We've done pizzas that were inspired by other types of food. So we've done like a halloumi pizza that we light on fire table side. So, you know, something fun that's presentable at the table, something interactive. We've also done pizzas. Go ahead. Oh yeah, totally. Opa. <laughs> my, my servers were very nervous about lighting, lighting them at the table, but it was, it was an experience for sure. 
we've done pizzas that were based on street foods like elotes, which has been really popular, or Chicago mm-hmm. has Italian beef. So we've done like, we roast our own beef in house, things like that. Other times, you know, we hear a really cool name. We come up with a song or a name that we really like, and we try to get ingredients from that and put something together. Other times it's seasonal. So, you know, if there's something that's in season, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's fresh corn or right now we have a squash pizza on the menu. We do a, like a miso glaze squash pizza on wood fired. Um, and this is all more and more. It's just coming from my staff. I've hit a point where I can be the final tester and taster and, you know, the staff come up with it and we talk about it. And part of that is, you know, they get to be creative. So they're not bored at their job. Mm-hmm. They get to be very proud of their creation because they see guests come and try their pizzas and fall in love with it. And, you know, they, they get a sense of a little bit of ownership as well to be able to help. But also I get to help teach them new techniques and new ideas and new approaches and expand their palate so that they can grow as a pizza maker, as a chef, depending on what their aspirations are. And and so for you, Robert, there's like a, a pizza that, you know, like kind of like symbolize like your, your creative approach or this on the menu now or that's been on the menu before? No, I mean, I think, yeah, a lot of what, Derek said is, is, is how we create. I think like my business partner, Jesse is like, he definitely loves coming up with a name and I can't lie. We've definitely come up with a pizza for, for the, for the name. The, the Bon Chovy was like the first one. (laughs) And, but, but, but the Bon Chovy was just a ripoff of a famous Neapolitan pizza from La Notizia which is like the Scarola pizza, the Escarol anchovy smoked mozzarella. So we just renamed it the Bonchovi. But but for us generally at the restaurant, the way that we like to create is that we switch the menu up, beverage and food uh, quarterly. And um, it, it's challenging because the, the seasons are so short here. Um, so, you know, spring and summer happens very quickly. Um, so you just need to be... Uh, smart about how fall and winter don't last too long. But uh, yeah, we, we, we try to switch the menu up quarterly uh, and so it doesn't get stagnant. And we also have like a little bit of a formula on our menu where it's like the carbonara is always on the menu. It's been on the menu since day one. And every quarter, the vegetable that is on the carbonara changes. So, and, you know, we have a, a few other pizzas that uh, follow the same system. I, I just want to ask a, a question like about, you know, the business part of having a pizzeria and who wants to answer first, you know, jump in. But, you know, there's a lot of pizzeria out there. It's a very competitive world, the world of, you know, of pizza. So how, how does your pizza or your pizzeria carve out a niche in this, in this market? How do you stand out? For us, we do a, a bulk 24-hour fermentation. And it's not refrigerated because I don't have a walk-in refrigerator. Everything is room temp mm-hmm. here. And I do have reach-ins for, obviously, for produce, whatever. But for our dough, it's it's a room temperature dough just because of space and not having the, the, big, mm-hmm. the big cooler. And, you know, it's, it's tough. And even with, like, the most seasoned cooks, it's tough for them as well because it's, it's constantly changing. And, you know, we just we deal with the challenge every day. Also, you know, I've learned to kind of hone in my, my Greek heritage a bit, bring a lot of Greek inspiration to my pizzas and to our, our sides, dishes and specials and salads and all that good stuff. You know, right now we have the menus pretty Greek heavy. We have like a vegetarian moussaka and a gigantes plaki. 
stuffed cabbage, avgolamano. So, you know, I'm really trying to, to reach for, for more Greek inspired stuff. What is the second one that you mentioned after the moussaka one? The, the gigandes, the plaki. They're the, the giant beans, which we, we, we bake in the oven with a plenty of Greek olive oil and mirepoix, tomato. It's very hearty. It's vegan and it's a fan favorite. People love it. It's a nice bowl of, of hot bean stew with a chunk of sourdough focaccia. It's, it's one of our, our best selling dishes, side dishes. <music> Thank you. And, and Robert, how do you guys stay unique and, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think so much of our, there's only one other pizzeria that is probably doing a similar style to us within, mm -hmm. you know, a five mile radius. But I, I think what, what Marvin's success has been attributed to, I think, you know, the, the fact that we, yes, we can, we can play in the game of like, doing takeout and giving the people what they want and doing the pepperoni pies. I'll do, I'll bang it out all night. It's Friday. That's what we're going to do all night tonight. And that's how we pay our bills. But you know, the, the, the way that Marvin, I think is established has been able to establish itself in the community is that the things that surround the pizza it, with the cocktails, some of the appetizers, some of the events that we're, we're able to offer the merch, almost offering it as this, a, a cultural piece to the neighborhood has been a huge part to our success. Okay. And there's a situation, you know, you're talking about the neighborhood and, you know, your your customers that are coming, you know, back and, and driving the business. Do you have uh, sometimes situation where you have, you have feedback and, and some of that feedback influence your your menu evolution, for instance, or changes on the, on the menu? Yes and no. I mean, maybe the feedback informs our um, it helps us be ready uh, for a complaint and I think managing managing those interact understanding how to manage those interactions is very important to the hospitality component of what we do right it's like like sometimes I just don't care and we're gonna put the ice cream flavor on that I want to put on and we're not gonna do vanilla and chocolate and it's just like I know the kids aren't gonna like it but we figure out the language so that, you know, mom and dad feel okay and have an answer to their child who, who has come in and said, I can't wait to go in and have ice cream at Pizza Marvin. So yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we understanding the ebbs and flows of our neighborhood has been vital. What about you, Derek? We are in a highly competitive market, right? We have, we have probably three pizzerias within a stone's throw of us. And they've all come up slowly. We were we were the first one in the area, but they've come up more and more. And even in Chicago, you know, there's we were one of the first to do mm -hmm. Detroit style, but there's definitely more and more people in Detroit. You know, nowadays, I don't think pizzerias are competing with just other pizzerias. I think, especially for a diamond pizzeria, you're competing against the restaurant experience at any other restaurant, right? People now, especially now, budgets are tight, prices are going up because labor is going up, and food food costs are going up. You know, people are thinking about where do they want to go, not only to get like a good deal for the money, but also to get great service and great quality. And so if you're not hitting on, you know, all the aspects, the ambiance, the service, the quality of the pizza, if they're not having a great experience overall, you're going to lose that customer and they're going to tell someone else that they mm -hmm. didn't have a great experience. You know, that being said, we also don't bend over backwards for the customer. From day one, we've been we, we, with our wood fired pizzas and even our Detroit style pizzas, you know, we have a very set menu. You're allowed to take things off the pizzas, 
but you cannot put things, you cannot really build your own pizza from scratch. We have a couple options from a base cheese pizza. You can maybe throw on a pepperoni or something simple like that. But no one's saying, you know, I want an olive and pepperoni with, you know, onions on it because that's, that's not on the menu. Even if we had the ingredients, uh-huh. we don't do that because we haven't tested the flavors. We haven't tested the combinations and the ratios of what we want. And so that's been a challenge for us from day one, kind of, you know, breaking away from the Pizza Hut and the Domino's and what, what we grew up as throughout the 80s, knowing like, oh, build your own pizza, do, you know, do it however you want. So challenging, challenging that and getting people to understand, you know, we're, we're trying to create a slightly more upscale gourmet product, which people are paying for. So it's, it's been an uphill battle, but, you know, we've been fortunate that people have really loved what we put out and really take the time to try what we put out before they request changes to it. So you're mentioning that, you know, that, that in fact, the competitive aspect, it's not only with other pizzeria, but as well, you know, this, you know, the restaurant experience. And does that mean as well that you guys are thinking about, you know, branching out when it comes to menu offer? And it's not only about pizza, but it could be something else because, you know, maybe the group of people coming dining at your place wants to have like, you know, alternative to pizza or not? You know, at our this is Derek again from Poly Juice. At our restaurant, yep. we we only do the salad, the cocktails, the pizza, the beer, and then the dessert. Right? We keep it super clean and super simple. Our focus is pizza, but even even if that's the case, you know, ultimately people are still looking for the total experience. It doesn't have to. Be, I don't think anyone ever goes out and they say, "I have to have pizza tonight." That's pretty rare, except for maybe like on National Pizza Day or National Cheese Pizza Day, one of those crazy holidays that are out there, right? But there's always a new and shiny. There's always another list coming out, especially in you know major cities around the U.S. or even you know, as a whole, saying you know what's the newest, hottest restaurant, what's the most family-friendly okay. restaurant, and you if you're on that list or if you're trying to get on that list, your competition is not just the pizzerias on that list; it's against everyone else in there. So mm-hmm. you know, like I said, I think it's about the total experience more and more. You have to have it all okay. tuck pointed in and have a great presentation of total experience in order to maintain that guest and have the word spread that, you know, this is a place that people should check out. If you would, let's say, meet your younger self, uh, thinking about, you know, a, a kid who is like, I don't know, 20 years old now, what advice would you, you know, maybe give yourself knowing, you know, everything that you know about the business now? This is Derek. I, I yep. would say that, you know, given the pandemic, one of the biggest lessons I learned was that you have to branch out and expand your revenue systems, right? And so, You know, for the first five years, our focus was just the restaurant. For the first two years, we were losing money. So really, you had no room to play. You couldn't do it at the restaurant. But once the pandemic hit, all bets were off. If you wanted to survive, you had to figure out other lines of revenue, other ways of approach. And so since then, you know, we've opened up a private room upstairs where we do lessons for the community. We'll do private lessons. We'll do some YouTube studio stuff. You know, we've opened up a catering arm where we do more off-site things. I mean, you know, I think... At least myself, I thought one restaurant with steady stream of revenue, good ops, will be fine. But the pandemic really taught taught yeah. me that you sure. have to be able to have your hands in multiple forms of revenue coming in in order to be safe. Robert, any advice to your uh, younger self? Keep an open mind is great advice. I mean, it doesn't get any easier is also great advice. It's just like, this is hard. I don't know. Just like never, st- I don't know, never stop like studying and like looking at what other people are doing. I mean, that's mm-hmm. definitely something that like, even at Marvin, you know, maybe the people who I I looked at 
as we were opening as comps are, are much different who I'm looking to right now for inspiration. You know, it's funny you asked about the menu items. You're like, what would you do? You know, what, yeah, you know, like, I, you know, I, I wish that I could offer a steak for two, but like embracing the, the space that we have is the only, only direction that's going to provide us with the foundation that I, I had talked about earlier. It's like, if we don't, if we start fighting against the things that we have, you're going to end up farther from where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good one. Uh, Dimitri. Anything on your end? For my younger self, I recommend taking some uh, psychology courses uh, <laughs> <laughs> to learn how to deal with human behavior. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm, and I'm sure you're kidding. I think it's probably true, <laughs> you know, because you need to manage, um, you know, a staff and uh, I'm sure, st- you know, people are rotating faster, especially in the hospitality yeah. industry. So that's probably not, yeah, you're- not uh, you know, fun every day. Constantly working with different personalities can be a challenge. But yeah, if there was also some pizza topping, you know, blacklist, I think Halloumi deserves a spot on it. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, if I had like a, if I, if I knew what toppings would be really good on pizza, I wish I would have known back then. Okay. And I do think Halloumi is one of those cheeses that I think... I wish I knew about a lot earlier or used a lot earlier. Okay. Okay. People love it. People love okay. it. I love it. So, you know, giving advice, you know, you, you can do that based on your experience and, you know, I'm sure you receive as well advice, you know, throughout your, your career. Something which is always interesting to me is that they are, we, we always focus on a good piece of advice, but sometimes it happened as well that, you know, we, we got an advice and we all realized that was the worst advice, you know. And and so have you, and is anything that you can share that's maybe a, a worst piece of advice that you have seen or do you have your, heard like given, in, you know, in the pizza industry? I was, I was told when we first started this venture that I would be an idiot to be open seven days. Uh, I had told a, a chef locally who very well respected that that we were expanding to seven days lunch and dinner and he told me that was the biggest mistake of my life and that we would be the downfall of the restaurant and in fact it's quite the opposite i have you know of course you need you need great people to be able to go to seven days and to be open that many hours but it's provided more free time for me to be away from the restaurant, more revenue to achieve the things that we want to achieve and to give back to our team. The, the, the team is making more money. And so he couldn't have been more wrong in that, that statement. That sounds like advice from someone that's just needing control, right? I think I, I see a lot of like mom and pop shops, restaurant wise, or like, you know, high, highly acclaimed chefs that just feel like they need control and they need to be there for every service hour that's open. And if you're going to tie yourself to your restaurant, that's fine. But then you have that expectation of tying yourself to your restaurant, right? And I, I totally agree with you. I think I'm, I'm a firm believer in incremental, incremental profits and incremental gains. If you're making enough sales to cover, the, you know, your staff costs along with your food costs, then you, it's a win, right? Even if it's a small win, it's a win. And it, it's a big win for your staff because mm-hmm. then they get extra shifts, extra tips and all that other stuff. 
So, you know, I, I totally agree with you. Every day that we open, every service that we open means that I have to trust someone and trust, trust the team to be able to function without me there because I'm not going to live at the restaurant. And so that opens us up to be able to, whether it's take a vacation, you know, without having to worry about it or whether it's opening the next project, like, absolutely. I, I agree. That was not great advice. <laughs> I'm glad you opened for seven days. Okay, very good. So let's start with um, the rapid fire question round. So what is like the one ingredient you couldn't live without? Mike's hot honey. It's just so good. Okay. Specific to our restaurant, I would say the main grains, flour. So you guys, thin crust or deep dish? Or Detroit style, of course. Which, by the way, it's my favorite, but who cares? <laughs> <laughs> if, I can, if I can have both at the meal, I'd rather have both. But, you know, I'm getting old. I got to watch my fingers. They're so okay. probably thin crust. Yeah, I know. It's past that for me. <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> For being old and the figures. <laughs> Robert, what's your favorite? Thin and crispy all the way. Thin and crispy. Okay. So what's your go-to late night pizza topping combo? Uh, Robert, don't look at me. Like uh, I don't know. I, I'm <laughs> sick of pizza. Uh, late night pizza topping. Oh, my God. Pepperoni black olive. Uh, for me, it's probably sausage or mushrooms and a little bit of jardinera. That, that spicy jardinera makes, makes it a nice kick. Yeah, there, there was a pizza topping to blacklist. Which topping deserve a spot on it and why? I, I mean, we've blacklisted chicken. We don't offer chicken. And I just feel like we try to be the we try to be a yes place. And like I said, I told you we we'll get we'll do pepperoni, mushroom, sausage, whatever toppings that people want. Chicken to me is too far. I know that like if we offer buffalo chicken or barbecue chicken, it's going to be thirty mm-hmm. percent of the pizza sales, and I'm not willing to go there. I think going going back to that durian malort one, probably durian or malort. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we also we yes. also don't allow chicken on our pizzas, and my staff get crazy about it. We I think we've done it like we've offered it on a special once or twice, and it sells. You're right, it sells really well. You put bacon and ranch and barbecue sauce with chicken on a pizza, people will go crazy for it. But, mm-hmm. you know, to some degree, it's like this is no longer inspirational or interesting. It's just, you know. Okay. Sounds like a great staff pizza. Uh, it's great. It's perfect. And people love it. But I'm like, I don't, I don't want this to be on the permanent menu. So, yeah. Dimitri, anything you put in the blacklist? Chicken. <laughs> or pineapple, which is, a, which is a common one. Yeah barbecue sauce and before we we close i want to ask you as well if you have any questions for one another so i don't know derek do you have any question for robert and dimitri other pizza guys like here on you know i mean i think i just want to come come try your pizzas now and you know talk more about business as a whole i'd love i'd love to get on learn more about how you guys run your operation i think more and more i'm more interested in operations so what what part of the operation that you're you're interested in Staff compensation, staff, you know, how you control your labor, how you, how, you know, whether you have ratios. Um, my biggest thing now is as we grow, like establishing how you want your span of control, how many, how many team leaders, how many management partners, you know, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. understanding how pizzerias grow and restaurant groups grow is my big, my big homework assignment lately. Okay. Robert, do you have any questions for any of them? No, I mean, ditto, ditto that. I mean, I think. I, I could spend another hour on this call talking about all the business stuff. It's just like, you know, just 
thinking like what, you know, you know, I, I know what our cogs are and what our, our, our ratios are. And obviously they're, they're better than my friend's restaurants are doing more full service stuff. But in relation to the, the pizzeria world, I'd love to know what other respected other restaurants who my, I respect and are doing similar things to me, you know, view food costs and labor costs relative to their top line numbers. Okay, guys, thank you very much. I really appreciate know your time. Thank you for being on the, on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Pleasure chatting. You're welcome. Thank you. And just like the last slice of your favorite pizza, our episode has come to an end. A big thank you to Dimitri, Derek, and Robert for tossing up their experiences and insights with us today. It's been an absolute delight to explore the pizza landscape for the first time on Flavors Unknown. From the streets of D.C. through the avenues of Chicago to the lanes of Providence, we have journeyed through the tales of dough, cheese, and passion. Now, if this episode make you crave a slice or reminded you of a friend who is a pizza fanatic, don't hesitate to share this cheesy goodness with him. And for more gastronomic adventures, remember to subscribe to our newsletter at flavorsunknown.com. Stay in the loop with the latest episodes, behind-the-scenes stories, and exclusive content from the world of acclaimed chefs and mixologists. I am Emmanuel Roche, thrilled to have shared this pizza adventure with you. Until next time, keep exploring the unknown flavors that make our culinary world so endlessly fascinating. And until then, keep in mind that the people who likes to eat are always the best people. Thanks for listening to Flavors Unknown. If you've enjoyed this episode, give us a follow on Instagram at Flavors Unknown and visit us at flavorsunknown.com. Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts.